Oh, Canada, our home and native land. That's all I know from Oh, Canada. One of the most beautiful anthems I have ever heard. I love listening to it before the beginning of every hockey game that I can. And, of course, my thoughts and prayers and hopes and dreams and all that great stuff. Go out to the Canadian people, to the uh, tragedy that they uh, they suffered this week. That, you know, what's amazing to me, for those of you who don't know, there was a, um, a corporal who was guarding the National War Museum, if I remember correctly, up there, uh, very close to the parliamentary doors. He was killed. The attacker made his way inside where he was killed by the sergeant-at-arms. Uh, there was another gentleman uh, that was killed, I believe unrelated uh, to the incident. Okay, listen, people. Let me just let you in a little thing, okay? I'm not CNN. I don't watch the news. It's just the shit I've seen on Facebook and the few articles I've read. But what's interesting to me is how Canada reacted to the death of these two soldiers and how America reacts to the death of, you know, a, a few hundred to a few thousand people. Like, I'll be honest, as an American, when I first saw it and heard it, I was like, it's two people. What's the big deal? Because I'm just used to that, right? It's like 9-11, what, 3,000 people died? How many people have died in war, right? How many people probably died today? Hell, Texas has 2,500 people die a year on the roads, you know, which uh, I'm not a mathematician, but I think uh, three times four is 12, so eight, that's eight people a day. So when I was like, what's the big deal, Canada? Like, it's two people, like, you know. Dry your eyes. It's just two people. And that's crazy to think about how desensitized we've come as a nation uh, to death. It's just like, oh, it was only two people. It's not that big of a deal. But it was resounding to see the support and the outpouring and the, you know, and again, I don't watch a ton of news and politics. That's not my thing. But, like, the level-headedness. That's the only way I can describe it, like the level-headedness of the people that I saw. One story I saw was there was a, a mosque uh, that was vandalized and told, you know, told them, you know, leave Canada, get out of here, go home. You know, I'm sure by just the smartest individuals in Canada, right, just the brightest, the Rhodes Scholars of Canada were like, you know what would really send a message to these people instead of tolerance and education is let's spray paint their mosque and tell them to go home. I'm sure that's worked. Never. So anyway, so they do this, these fucking retarded idiots uh, do this, and the town comes together, they repaint the mosque, and they're like, hey, you are home, we don't want you to leave, like, don't take, you know, Jethro Jones over there as the national symbol of Canada, so... My heart and prayers uh, and thoughts go out to all of those affected, whether directly or indirectly. I know any time that uh, uh, I see a big tragedy like that, I'm always taken back to 9-11 and where I was and the thoughts and and stuff going through my head. So well done, uh, Canada, as far as your response and your level-headedness. I think a lot of countries could learn from that. And uh, wow, what a... What a great, uh, uplifting segue, right? Well, if that depressed you, one, I apologize. But two, um, I want to talk about some, like, a couple different topics today, all right? And, and when I was writing out the podcast outline, which, by the way, t- this week is only a headline, I have this. Taxes, death, and honey, honey. So let's let's just start at the top. Let's talk about taxes. Um, here's the thing, right? 
I am black and white when it comes to taxes. I know there are a lot of people out there that brag about how little they pay in taxes and this corporate loophole and stuff like that. See, here's the reason I don't do that. Because, you know, there's always, you know, they say, well, there's only like a one in 400,000 person chance that you'll be the guy. Well, I'm usually the one, right? I'm the guy on the other side of the fence. Um, two, um, the thought of going to pound me in the ass federal prison does not necessarily appeal to me. As I watched the end of Boardwalk Empire last night, and they took old Al Capone away in handcuffs, you know, that, that guy was a gangster, a legitimate killer running a multi-million, maybe even billion dollar, if you adjust for inflation, industry. And how did they catch that motherfucker? They, they caught him on tax evasion, and he spent the rest of his life in prison. So... Why am I telling you this? Well, the one thing I want to tell you is, and this was a big mistake I made at the beginning. See, I didn't think my business was going to be much of anything at the beginning, so I went cheap, and I filed a little DBA, right, and I was a sole proprietor. Well, the IRS loves sole proprietors because they get to stick it to you for every dollar they can. Well, then I thought, well, I'll be really smart, and I'll incorporate it as an LLC, so I did that. Well, it turns out the IRS likes sticking it to you, too. So I actually did an LLC. I believe it's an S-Corp. All right. And before I go any further, let me restate the disclaimer again that I am a fucking idiot when it comes to anything and everything. And my recommendation to you would be to talk to a tax professional in your city, state, and find out your local laws. Well, when I did that, okay, um, and it was just a declaration I made, it severely reduced my tax liability and my taxes. All right, so I went from paying like you know twenty-five or thirty grand um, in taxes down to roughly about half that by just doing the LLC with an S corporation. So why am I telling you all this stuff? The first thing I would tell you is you need to make sure that you're set up for business. I know it may not seem like a big deal, but the second that you start making real money, and by real money I mean if you're going to crack six figures, I definitely recommend that you get yourself incorporated and you make yourself legally protected and reduce your tax liability as much as possible legally, okay? Legally. There is no gray area with me. It's black and white, and if it's on my side or their side, they get it. Okay, because I don't want to go to where you drop the soap every night. That just doesn't sound like a fun experience for me. So I did all this, and my normal, you know, mom and pop uh, delivery shop of uh, of taxes, tax preparation, screwed everything up. It was it's a long story, but basically they filed some paperwork, didn't keep a record of it, didn't keep a copy of it, that left me on the lurch for about fourteen thousand dollars in additional taxes, unless I found this paperwork. So I contacted my buddy Corey over at Evolved Finance. I said, Corey, here's the deal. About to have a heart attack, about to feel really stressed out, need some help here. What does this guy do? This guy spends forty plus minutes on the IRS. Uh, website and phone trying to get this thing done not only does he do that he takes me to his income tax preparation people all right and they get me done within 24 hours to avoid a ridiculous penalty that i shouldn't have had to pay or stress about in the meantime long story short i paid my taxes right cut my check to the government said thank you very much god bless the usa here's a little extra to keep me out of prison and I made a critical decision in my business, which was Corey at Evolve Finance is going to be the only guy that's getting my money. So here's the deal. 
If you are making over six figures, you need to get make sure that you're talking to someone. Get yourself protected. When you start making really good money, and I'm going to classify as really good money as, as 200000 plus a year, okay? That's gross sales, not net, all right? I highly, 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 highly recommend you go talk to Corey at Evolved Finance. He is the guy that understands internet marketing, the guy that is, he's just, I mean, he, he's extremely helpful. He's reliable. He's never let me down. He makes sure I get every deduction, okay? Every single deduction that I'm entitled to legally, okay? He's above the board 100%. And if you need someone to do your taxes, to do all your incorporation, to do all that stuff, he can help you. And the best part is, he charges a flat rate. So there's no surprise billing. There's no anything. I know what it's going to cost me a month. He knows what it's going to cost me a month. And I don't have to stress about it. So I highly recommend it. And, and I'll also say this. I don't get anything, right? Corey doesn't uh, give me a kickback or any money for sending you to him. All right? Uh, this is out of the, the I don't want to say the kindness of my heart, but I mean, like, the guy does good work. I want him to be busy. Um, he's extremely talented. He's extremely skilled. He knows what he's doing. He has a specialization in Internet marketing. So I highly, highly recommend if you're looking for a tax guy um, or, you, more importantly, you're looking for an accountant and someone to help you with your business, go check out uh, Corey at Evolve Finance. He will set you right. Just type in Evolve Finance into Google. You'll find it. So death done excuse me taxes done death we'll get to in a minute let's talk about ye old honey honey for those of you who are longtime listeners to the podcast first of all thanks mom second of all you guys know that i love me some honey honey well this week was just a little orgasm of honey honey buddy it definitely definitely was let me tell you what happened so Honey Honey is on a little tour on the Midwest. They went to Colorado. They've gone to Louisiana, Dallas, all this great stuff. They were going to play last week in Dallas. And I said, you know what? I've been to Dallas a million times. I haven't been to Colorado in like probably two years. Let's go to Colorado. So me and my buddy Chase, we jump in the jet. And by jet, I mean Southwest, right? And we fly up there and we have a great time. I got to hang out with my buddy Justin and Neil. Got to hang out with them on Thursday before the concert. They uh, they treated us to some fun, exciting opportunities and excavations. Excavations excavations no we didn't dig anything we we did some cool shit up there we hung out we had a good time and and there you go then friday night before the concert i got to hang out with bo blackwell the former badass of ceo soon to be the badass of internet marketing and that was a really fun and engaging conversation and we got to really just hang and chill and what i liked about that whole trip was how chill it was so friday night it's honey honey time we got our tickets in advance and then we went to the show because that's what you do, right? You buy tickets and you go to the show. Tim, the people get it. Let's move on. All right. So we uh, we go we go to this place. I call it the Lamar Lounge. It's, I, I'm terribly I'm terribly mispronouncing it. But basically, imagine like three car garage. You know, times two. Like just imagine the smallest space ever. That's that's how I would say it. Like a prison cell plus one. It wasn't that small, but it was tiny. Well, they packed this place out for the show. Right, they packed this place out, and the band knows I'm coming because I've, you know, texted them a million times and Facebooked them and been like, "Hey, hey, I'm coming." Right? Do I need to bring a lock of hair or anything? So we we show up. It's sold out. The show's done. Then I get to talk with the band. Now, for those of you who don't know, let me give you a little backstory. I found out about this band through the Joe Rogan Experience and the Joe Rogan Podcast, which, if you got five hours to kill, I highly recommend you check out. 
they did a Kickstarter campaign for their album. I paid a couple hundred bucks to go backstage and fall in love with these guys. They were just awesome and amazing, and we had fun, and we drank a whole bottle of Jameson and almost got kicked out of the venue for various activities, which we can't speak about due to statutes of limitations. But long story short, yeah, you know, we had a great time. And then I showed up in Colorado, and I'm like, man, I'd love to duplicate and replicate that experience with those guys, but it's, you know, it's really tough. Like, the more I get to hang around bands, the more I realize, like, just, it's just a crazy existence. They're in towns for, like, a night, okay? Everybody wants to party and hang with them and show them a good time and impress them, and, hey, this is what we're going to do, and this is this, and this, and, you know, I mean, everyone's, like, trying to be their best friend, and because of that, they have to keep their guard up, right? Because they're like, I don't know if this guy's like, really wants to help me or roofie me and wear my skin for Halloween. Like, I just don't know what, uh, what it is that this guy wants. So we show up in Colorado, okay? Uh, side side note, there are going to be a lot of side notes because obviously I don't have an outline for tonight. If you do want to get on a band's good side, one, find a way to help and support their projects. So like I've supported the Kickstarters. I bought handwritten lyrics. You know, if these guys were like, hey, we have, you know, I, I don't know, used drumsticks on sale. I'd be like, I want some, you know, like, so try to support their causes and try and be visible in doing that and help them out. Just be help, just generally help them. And just be like, hey, I'm here to help, you know, any, anything I can do. Um, always always good to show up with their favorite alcohol and various other party favors uh, as well. So there you go. So Colorado happens, have a great time. Got to talk to both of them. They were really cool, like uh, Suzanne Santos, who is the lead singer who has one of the most beautiful and powerful voices I ever heard. We got to chat and catch up, and also Ben Jaffe, who's their guitarist and also has a badass uh, set of pipes on him. Got to sit down and chat and talk and just reconnect, and, and that was great because I hadn't seen those guys in about two years. So then, okay, then here's what happens. Then the week starts off this week, this past week. And I'm getting ready, going through the motions, everything like that. And my wonderful and talented assistant, Paula, is out uh, on the West Coast because they are adopting a beautiful baby boy. Well, she wakes up Wednesday. I'm like, hey, Paula, what's on the agenda? She's like, well, the birth mom is giving birth today. So she's being um, induced at the hospital. So nothing for me. And I was like, well, if you're taking a day off, then I'm taking a day off. So then I decided to drive down six hours one way to see Honey Honey in concert again. Without telling them, I just show up, I buy a ticket, because I buy a ticket to all their shows, and they rock the, the, the night away. They, I mean, it was a great set and all that stuff. What, what's hilarious is during the show, Ben is really good about this, of connecting with the audience, so he, he looks out while he's playing guitar and stuff like that. So he's playing guitar, and he's, he's looking, he's looking, and he scans right by me, and then he stops, and he does a double take, and he goes back, and he's like, like squinting his eyes, and I'm wearing a baseball cap, and I lift it up, and you know, I tip my cap to him, and he just laughs, um, because he's like, like, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? And he actually goes over and nudges uh, Suzanne. Um, I don't know if he told her about it or not, but he was, he was talking. And anyway, they, they do another great show, have another meet and greet. I wait till the very, very end. And, you know, they're just shocked and, and crazy, um, you know, that I'm there and they can't believe twice in two weeks. And, you know, who's this guy that just keeps fucking going to shows that are like on the opposite sides of the earth? How does that ever happen type thing? Um, and we get to hang, and this time they're like, hey, do you want to come backstage? And I'm like, well, fuck, yeah, I want to come backstage. And I got to see, the, they did some interviews and did some cool stuff, and then they had to go. 
So what is the point of this whole long conversation and story? So I want to talk to you a little bit about the dynamic of the relationship because that's changed, in my opinion, as I've changed over the last three or four years. So the initial friendship, interaction, whatever, was purely financial. Okay, these guys needed money. They were like, hey, we'll whore ourselves out, 250 bucks. You get to come hang with us, take a photo at the end, all that good stuff. So I do that. Okay, I show up, right? I bring them some fun in a bag, right? In a jar, we have some good times together. And we just we just enjoy ourselves, and it's a really cool thing. But it's very hard thinking back, right? To to kind of I don't want to say crack that inner circle because I'm not even close, but like like I said, it's hard for bands to know like is this guy genuine? Is this person genuine? What do they want from me? Surely they just can't be friends with me. You know, there's no way that this guy just likes us so much that he wants to spend all his money on us and and do all this great stuff. So, okay. Um so then I show up in Denver and they remembered me. And they remember my buddy Chase because he went with me to the first thing. And we just had a great time and we got to reconnect and it was just an amazing show. Well, between the first time I saw them and the last time, right, like I've been privately trying to help them. And I've been giving them suggestions and ideas and advice. And this is what you guys need to do and blah and zing and za and all that shit. Thinking that I had to be the one to help them out, to not to rescue them, but to better them, to, you know, because of just how I get my self-worth as a human being. All right, now we're entering the therapy sessions with Tim Castleman, right? I get my, my value from helping others. That's why I like to teach others because when they do good, I feel like I'm worth a, worth a shit as a human being. So here's what's fine. Like I've been trying to help. I'm like, hey, here's a Teespring. Here's how we can build your email list. Here's how, and they take none of that advice, none of it. Absolutely none of it or very, very little of it. I think they've taken some of my email shit, but, you know, whatever. And it's just frustrating as fuck because you're like, motherfucker, I have the golden ticket. I have the road. I have what you need to do to be successful. Just follow me. Follow me and I will make you successful. We will make you successful together. Right? So... I see them when they're opening for Trampled by Turtles and Jake Bug and um, Ryan Bingham. This is, like, this is my fifth or sixth show. Anyway, so we see all that stuff. That's great. Here's the crazy thing. They were opening for other bands, and when I see them in Denver, they're headlining, and the, the show is sold out. I mean, there's wall-to-wall bodies. The first three rows knows their songs, right? They're just they're, – I mean, their merchandise sales were not – I mean, these guys just fucking slayed it, and they did it without me at all. And this is the lesson I learned from that. And it applies to a lot of areas of my life that I'm working on right now. But, like, it just occurred to me, like, they're first and foremost, they're okay. Right? They're okay. They're doing just fine. Neither one of them looked to be malnourished. Okay? They were both in good spirits. They didn't travel on a bicycle to get to the show. Um, so they're Okay. That's, that's step one. Step two is like there are going to be different paths for everyone to the level of success that they want and what they want to do in life and business. Maybe the marketing shit that I had to tell them, they just weren't into it. Maybe it just wasn't them. Maybe they didn't agree to it. Maybe Who knows? For whatever reason, they ignored my advice. And you know what? It's okay because they're finding their own path to success. 
And strangely, that was liberating for me because I felt like, okay, I don't have to be their protector or their rescuer or their, you know, their provider. Even though I was never any of those things, I just kind of took on that role myself. You know, they weren't like, hey, we need you to do all this stuff. I was just like, I like this band. I want to help this band. I want to do everything I can to, you know, to, I want to be a part of the band. Let's get matching chats tattoos. It'd be great. Um, so I get to relax. And I got to just enjoy the show and I got to just be friendly with them. And I got to be, dare I say, friends with them. And the key, by the way, if you want to become friends with somebody, very rarely does it start like, hi, I'm Tim. Hi, I'm Sean. Now we're BFS forever. It's a period of time, multiple interactions. You get closer and closer. I had a great time in Denver, right? I went to Dallas and all I could think about Dallas was I'm really going to fuck this up because I had a great time in Denver. There's no way that we could hang out like we did in Denver in Dallas because they're touring the next day. They got, you know, they, there's a, I mean, there were a bunch of things going on, which is another little side hook on the therapy sessions here today, right? Is have realistic expectations. It's not that these guys don't want to hang out with you. It's not that people don't want to contact you. Like I get, I get like 150 emails a day. Some days, most days, right? I can't read them and respond to them all. I would love to, I just can't. I don't have the ability, the capacity, the desire. So don't think about it like that person doesn't want to hang out with you, whatever. Just understand, ask yourself this. Is it a realistic expectation for you to have? And when I looked at it, it was like, no, it's not realistic for these guys to be able to hang out with me and me alone over the 150 other people that came to see them or or hang around after the show to get merchandise. It's not realistic. And by developing a realistic expectation, okay, and also realizing that I didn't have to impress and I didn't have to... you know, be like, hey, I'm of worth, I'm of worth, I'm of worth, let me do this, let me do this, let me do this. Like that really freed me up and allowed me to really enjoy and kind of connect with those guys on a level that I haven't before. Now, we're not vacationing together, all right? We're not uh, best friends forever, but we are in, in you know, semi-frequent contact as I am with a lot of bands that I enjoy. And I'm grateful for the time and I'm grateful for anything that they have to give to the relationship, just like they're grateful for me. You see, at the end of it, they were like, stop buying tickets to our damn show. Text us. We'll put you on the list. You'll get in. And I'm like, no, no. Like, I want to buy. And they're like, Tim, like, you're good. You've already helped us enough. We want, you know, we want you to just come and enjoy the show, not, um, you know, not feel obligated to buy tickets. And I think a lot of us have false expectations or unrealistic expectations like I did when it comes to different things we we do in life. And I'll tell you, as I've spent pretty much the last two years doing my my therapy thing, like here's here's some stuff that I've really learned, okay? Um, One is to take the other side into equation, right? The other side into equation. So let me give you an example. Old old Tim would be like, you know, fuck those guys. Why can't they hang out with me? Don't they like me? Don't they, you know, I'm sure ego comes in. Don't they know who I am? Why don't they blah, 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 blah. That's old Tim, right? New Tim is, 
you know what, there's their 23rd day of the tour, uh, they look exhausted, you know, they probably partied other nights before, there's 400 people here, there's 100 people in the line to meet them, they can't all have that amazing one-on-one experience that every one of those fans desires, right? So, one, being able to look at it from the other person's perspective, but two, being able to have a realistic expectation. And by the way, this applies to all areas of life, and I'll, I'll share why here in, in just a moment. Okay? And then the third thing is, and this is something that, that I've just discovered recently, is like, I feel like people want to be friends with me based on the value that I create for them or what they can get from me. Right? It's like there's no way somebody would want to be friends with me just because I have a humongous penis, I'm ridiculously good looking. Right? There's just no way that that would be enough. I've got to impress them. I've got to wow them. Think back to the honey honey thing, right? Think, I mean, think about it like this, okay? I paid $250 to hang out with them. Then I went out and got a bottle of Jameson so we could drink it. Now, part of that is that was cool and it kind of separates you from the pack and it does that stuff. But really, it was kind of like, you know, I really want these people to like me. What can I do? Well, they like this alcohol. Well, that, you know, if I buy it for them, then they'll really like me. You know, they'll like me even more. Than, so I gave money and alcohol. Wow, that's awesome. Right? I did that, I did that for years in dating. Right? It's like, well, if I just buy this girl roses and flowers and I take her to a nice restaurant, she'll like me. She'll like me. If I spend money on her, she'll like me. Right? I'm doing all this stuff to impress you. Won't you please like me? Won't you please love me? Won't you please tell that I matter? And if you find yourself in that situation, as I did myself, right, it takes a lot of work. And I don't have the answers for it. This is something I'm still working on. But it's weird to me that I get to hang out with these people, okay? Even even my everyday friends, I get to hang out with these people, and I don't have to freak out or think about, like, you know, well, you know, what's the deal here? You know, like, it's, you know, why are they still friends with me? They can't just like me for me. Surely they can't just like me because I'm funny and whatever. Like, there's got to be a reason why they're friends with me. And part of that may be the business, because a lot of people that I considered friends weren't really friends when I got in this business. They were people who wanted something from me, right? They wanted something from me, so we were friendly. Totally different, friend and friendly, right? As I've painfully learned. So that's what I'm working on right now is like I can just be myself and it doesn't mean everyone's going to like me or accept me and that's okay. There's a long list of people that want to run me over, I'm sure, and that list will get added to, you know, the, the older I get. But it's okay for me to just be myself and just not feel like I have to constantly interject value into someone's life for them to like me. And the other thing I'm working on is the whole understanding there's different ways for different people. So let me, let me share another struggle with you just because, you know, what well, basically this is just therapy, right? That's just basically what it is. Um, so there are a lot of people right now that are out there and puffing their chest about how they're Kindle bestsellers, all right? And I'll tell you exactly how they do it. So they put together a book of like 20 people, 
or themselves. It's an interview file. Okay, they go out, they put it up on Amazon, they have 20 people buy it at the same time, so for that hour, they can be a bestseller. They screenshot it really quickly so they can have that one screenshot to use for the rest of their lives about Amazon, and then they just abandon the book. Well, no, they don't abandon the book. They go to Facebook, right, and they post it, and they're like, hey, hey, you know. Like, hey, I'm a best-selling, Amazon best-selling author in this category, which you may never have heard of. And a few of them, by the way, are in decently well-known categories, okay? So they beat their chest, and they puff their chest, and they go. Then you wake up, you log on to Facebook, you see that Person X, Guru X, is a bestseller. You go, you click on their book, and you're like, wait a second. And this book's like 20,000. You click on it the next day and the next day, and like by day four, they're up to like, you know, 400,000 on Amazon. To me, me personally, that's the biggest piece of shit ever. It just is. I get it. Yes. Technically, for a nanosecond, you are an Amazon bestselling author. Right? With a shitty interview you did with a guy that was probably transcribed that you and your grandmother bought at 3.30 in the morning so you could get your screenshot. Like, yeah, you did it. Congrats. You hacked the system. But as a consumer... And someone that's willing to spend money with these people, I look at that and I go, well, well, if that's how you hack that, what else do you do? What else of your business is built on a house of cards? Right? What else is just a hack that if you look behind the curtain, you go, wait a second, this shit ain't true. Now, here's the thing, right? I have two books on Amazon right now, the Creativity Checklist and the 2KH Formula. And as of this recording, they're both still bestsellers, and they have been for several months, one, two months, one, one month, okay? But here's the lesson I'm learning about this because I'm always learning about myself, right? It doesn't matter. What I mean by that is it matters to me. It matters to me because of my filter and who I am and who I want to be, right? And what's important to me and I'm more of an artist and I like to create beautiful things and put it out there and, and do well more than just money, 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 money. So that matters to me. But people that are money-focused or people that are just like accomplishment-focused, they just, that's, that's, that works for them. And ultimately, it's not about just me. It's also got to be about the market. See, it doesn't matter if people, it doesn't matter what I do if people agree with, what, with the end result. So in the Millionaire Fast Lane, right, it's, it's described as process versus Result. Is that right? Process versus result? I think it is. If it's not, I'm going to say it is. So the result is you're a New York Times bestseller. Now, here's how I did it. I wrote a book. I emailed my list. I got them to buy. They left testimonials. Amazon continues to sell to this day with no list involvement and make it a bestseller. That's important to me. I became a bestseller day one. I've been a bestseller for 60 days. I've made you know five figures now with those two books. You know what I'm saying? Like That's, that's what's important to me. Other person does an interview, they become a bestseller for a nanosecond, they're gone, it's forgotten, bam, move on. Here's the thing. If all you care about is becoming a bestseller, either one of those processes is going to work. And because either one of those is going to work, they have to make a decision. Do they want to do my route or do they want to do their route? Now, where I need to get better about is going, they want to go their route. Okay, that's fine. I'll let them do that. 
and maybe they'll be successful, maybe they're not. And if not, I'm still here to share mine. I relate that story to you because that's what I discovered by going to the Honey Honey concert. See, it's frustrating because they wouldn't take this advice and they wouldn't do this. And surely if they did this, they'd be way more successful and make more money and be headlining a show and selling out a show in Denver. Or they can do their process. They can date their label for a while. They can find the right people. They can sign a record deal. They can go to Denver, sell out shows, have a great concert and go from there. Both get the same results. But they went on their path instead of the one that I would have chosen for them. And that's okay. How many times have you tried to help people and you're like, I just don't understand why they don't get it. Well, they don't get it because they don't see it through your filter or your lens. Or they don't get it because they don't see the result that you want. Or they don't want to do it that way. And you have to be okay with that or that will eat you alive from the inside like it still does to me to this degree. Like when I see that stuff on Facebook, I just cringe and I want to type out a huge long report of why they're fucking idiots and hacking the system and blah, blah, blah. But then I have to remind myself like one, as my good friend Robert Stuke says, I can't hack the internet, right? Or I can't, I can't police the internet. I'm not the police person. And two, if it gets the end result that they're after, who am I to say that their way is wrong or my way is better than theirs? So it's been an interesting week, right, to kind of discover that stuff. On top of that, I know we're getting long here, but I'll, I'll finish this. We talk about death. So my father-in-law went into the hospital this past week with pneumonia, which is awesome right because at 70 years old that's what you want to do you know you can't help but visit a hospital and start to think a little bit of your own mortality um then i went and saw this movie um this this weekend i think it's called saint lawrence it's the one with bill murray and um um i can't remember the chick's name she's in the heat and identity theft you're screaming out the name of the podcast i hear you i'm sorry i'm functioning retarded. anyway it's a really good movie but you know this guy has a stroke and and has all these issues that pop up and and all stuff and you know you can't help but understand that we are living a finite life one of the bands that i follow had a, a, a member of the family commit suicide 25 years old on his birthday done like, we're just not promised tomorrow. And even as I say that, I'm like, yeah, it's for everyone else but not me. But, I mean, it's true. Like, I could die tomorrow. That's pretty crazy. So part of this whole discovery um, or process, if you will, is I started thinking about some things I'd like to do if I only had a year left to live. Now, I know that sounds pretty morbid, but if you really want to get fucking focused in your life, uh, figuring out what you want to do, with a, you know, if you if you said, hey, look, I only have a year to live. What are the things I want to do with my life? I guarantee you, the best and brightest ideas would come to you as far as the, the priorities you need to make. And one of those things that I wanted to to do was kind of work on, if you will, um, my relationship with my biological father. Now, there's a huge long backstory involving, uh, you know, trail of tears and and hours and hours of dialogue. But uh, here's the abbreviated version. Parents had me, parents got divorced, lived with dad, dad lost job, sent me to live with mom, turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Dad went to live with his parents. I moved states, 
Okay, I join the military, I get married, dad comes to the wedding as a surprise, I have a surprise for him at the wedding that he doesn't like, we fall out of contact for multiple, multiple years, I think, shit, 10 plus years. Two years ago, on my birthday, I get a friend request from a guy who has the same name, and turns out to be my biological father. Over the last two years, we've spoken twice. That did not work for me. So when I started having this whole, hey, I've only got a, uh, a year left to live, I reached out to him um, and basically said, hey, you know, let's, let's talk. And, you know, are we, what, are, what are we doing? What's going on? What's, what's X? What's Y? What's Z? And we have slowly begun that process of communication and to a degree, maybe some reconciliation. That's the long-term plan. That's the long-term goal. And without getting too heavy and, and too deep into it, because I know this has already been a tremendously uplifting podcast, right? Like there have been points in my life where I have felt rejected by my father and in some ways abandoned by that. And those have led to rejection and abandonment issues for my entire life with my friendships, with my business partners, especially with, with anyone and everyone. So the old Tim, right, would work with with Ben. Let's just say Ben Atkins, right, a good friend of mine. So we'd work together, okay, and I'd, I'd support him. He'd support me. Then, then I'd support his launch, and I'd go to him, and I'd say, hey, Ben, I got this launch. I need you to support me. And he'd be like, oh, man, I can't because of X, Y, Z reason. And I'd be like, that, that piece of shit, you know, like he's not supporting me. He's abandoning me. He's stepping away from me. And because he stepped away from me, then I have to step away from him. And to protect myself, I have to end this relationship right now. Well, as you can imagine, that is not the formula for success that one would think it is to make venture partners or to make friends or to be generally considered a nice guy. Now, I will be honest with you, okay? I've been doing therapy for about two I think it's two years now. I legitimately didn't understand this about myself 48 months ago. Okay, so back when I first got started, I was part of Practical Profits. I took it personally. I thought they were personally rejecting me. I didn't realize, like, you know, Tim, maybe they just have their own agenda today. Or maybe they've got this going on. Or maybe X or Y or Z. You know, I wasn't able or capable to look through their eyes at the situation. Sound familiar? The honey honey thing, right? I didn't have a realistic expectation because of that. And when they did something I thought was crazy, right, because it's not how I would do it, then of course I was like, well, why'd you do it like that? You're a fucking idiot. You should have done it my way. And as you can see, you know, that doesn't obviously endear yourself to a lot of friends. So in a lot of ways, as I've spent more time thinking about this than I ever had in my life, you know, with my dad, I feel like him and I are on or were on a very similar path, one that was pretty much self-focused and self-centered, but not, not to the degree that he did it maliciously or that he didn't, or he did it for any reason. He probably just didn't understand. And I only say that because I know that's how it was for me. Like people used to tell me like, dude, you're an asshole and you're a jerk. And, you, and I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like I'm the life of the party and we're having fun and having a great time. And I, I don't get it. What do you mean that I'm a jerk and I'm this and I'm that? And I'm, you know what I mean? Like it, it just didn't make sense to me. 
not because I wasn't, but because I just wasn't aware. So I've been working on that, and I've been trying to take the other person into consideration. I've been trying to, you know, look at their path. And the biggest thing is I've been trying to accept it because, truthfully, I don't know where anything's going to end up. I don't know, you know. Me and my biological father may have a great relationship in a couple of years. Or in six months, we may decide, ah, eh, we don't like each other, and we may not speak. And the thing I have to do is be open to that, to understand that, and to ensure, right, to ensure that even though it's not the path I would want to choose, if that's the path he decides to take, I have to be okay with it in as far as accepting it his path. I don't have to be okay as far as accepting it into my life, but it's like, hey, if you want that for your life, I'll accept that, but I don't want it into mine, and then go from there. So one thing I would consider uh, or have you consider doing is sit down and ask yourself that question. If I only had a year left to live, if I only had a year left to live, what are some things I'd want to work on? Maybe you'll write that book that you've always wanted to. Maybe you'll reconnect or you'll deepen those relationships with the people that mean the most to you. Or maybe you'll get a better understanding of this crazy thing called life and how you can interact better with people to make friends, to deeper connection, and to accept people will love you for you. Not everybody, and that's okay. You're not meant for everybody. You're meant for just the people you're meant for. And understand that you have worth and value beyond what you bring to the table. That you don't always have to impress people. That you don't always have to be the guy that saves and rescues people. That sometimes you can just be. And I know that's tough. All right? For those of you who struggle with that, I I know that's tough because it's tough for me. You know? I can logically tell you all of the badass things that I've accomplished in my life. But emotionally... I still don't feel like they're worth a hill of beans, right? I mean, it's like I didn't go to college. I went in the military, and then I took that money, and I went to college, right? And then I started a business while I was in college. Then I've worked for every major corporation, nonprofit, all all of that stuff. Paid off my house when I was 31, built up a six-figure savings, right? Wrote a best-selling book twice. Made over or sold over, excuse me, a million dollars in products online. I'm 34 years old. If I doubled that, and, and, you know, I mean, it's just it's just crazy. Today I paid my truck off with the earnings from my Kindle. I was just like, I don't like this. Here, here we go. But I can say all that stuff logically, but emotionally I'm still like, I got to provide value. I still got to provide value. I still got to, I got to prove my worth to myself and to others. Because if I don't, then there's a problem. So spend some time this week. Think about your own life and situation. Or don't. You know why? Because I'm just here to share my experience and my journey. And if it resonates with you, that's fucking awesome. And I'm here to help in any way that I can by sharing my journey with you and you can follow along. If not, and you want to take your own path, I respect and understand that too. Of course, I'm biased thinking that my path is the right path and all that great stuff. But if it's not for you, I respect that too, and I wish you well, and I hope whatever it is that you're trying to work on, work out, improve, whatever it is, that you find it.
So with that, I'm going to end this week's therapy session. Thanks so much for listening to me. You know, a lot of times, especially this one, I, I, I'm doing it literally as I uh, as I walk out of the um, counseling office for this week. So I know a lot of this stuff is, you know, therapeutic for me. My hope and goal in sharing it with you is a few things. One, you understand that despite the fact uh, that you would like to think contrary, a lot of people do, I am just human with plenty of flaws and warts, okay? And in some levels, I'm just a horrible person, all right? And I'm still working on that. But two, to help understand that it's okay to work on yourself and it's okay to improve yourself. I work on myself just as much, if not more, as I do my business because I've got to be comfortable and happy with the skin that I'm in. And I will tell you as someone that, that put it off for years, like if you're noticing patterns, if you're noticing habits, if you're noticing relationships always end one way or the other or X or Y or Z, it might do you some good to spend some time talking to someone, seeing if there's a pattern or a reason behind it because it will probably be something that can potentially change your life. It will not happen overnight. It will not always be easy. I will promise you there will be plenty of tears and nights when you think, ah, this really sucks. But I can also promise you a level of clarity and understanding the likes of which you are radically missing in your life. And that is my biggest fear for my dad because I'm sure, much like me, he is oblivious to the reason why certain things have happened in his life as I was with mine. But one of my greatest comforts is knowing is that no matter what, I will end up surrounded by the people that love and admire me. And I will build healthy relationships with people. And I will not repeat the mistakes of my past and my predecessors. And that, my friends, is priceless. So that's it. I will see you on another edition of the Two Drink Tim podcast. I'll try to I'll try to funny the next one up for us, uh, so we don't have to go back to Suicide Watch Tuesdays. Be well. Talk to you soon.